As our friend Jiminy said, welcome. Welcome to the Disney Nerds Podcast, a place each week where like-minded people get together to discuss all things Disney. We'll help you get your Disney fix on. Here we go. A Magic Kingdom proudly presents, in a million points of musical light, the magical worlds of Disney. Hello and welcome to show number 508 of the Disney Nerds Podcast. This is Ed, and on this week's show... We're going to be talking about the World Celebration Gardens and the Luminous, the Symphony of Us, the new show that they have at Epcot. We were lucky enough to have our correspondent, Sam, from Sam's Disney Diary down at Epcot, and he was able to get some great interviews of the World Celebration Gardens, and that's the place where they're going to have Dreamer's Point. That's the new Walt Disney statue. Sam's going to tell you in a second about it. And then after that, I was able to grab some audio from the Disney Parks videos, which I'll have links for in the show, along with Sam's links, too, for all the audio we have, because the video behind it, which, although podcasts are great, the video is definitely really cool, too. So you're going to have to check it out once you're done with the show. So the first part, again, is World Celebration Gardens, and we're going to hear all about that. That's that area right outside Spaceship Earth, where the fountain used to be, and that is all open now and looks incredible and sounds great. So, guys, without further ado, hey, Sam, take it away. The multi-year transformation of Epcot continues at Walt Disney World. The opening of World Celebration Gardens marks another milestone in that transformation. The new area, which debuted on Walt Disney's birthday, December the 5th, includes Dreamer's Point and the all-new Walt the Dreamer statue, showcasing Walt Disney later in his life when he was dreaming up the initial concepts for the park and the overall Florida project. The beautiful greenscapes throughout the World Celebration Garden will feature ample seating and shade, as well as a central planter based on the five rings of the iconic Epcot logo. Each of the garden spaces will have their own identities and change with the Epcot festivals throughout the year. Communicore Hall and Communicore Plaza, the last pieces of this transformation, are due to open in 2024. I was fortunate to be included in an opening day Imagineering panel in this new space. The panel included Doug Tobin, landscape architect, Scott Malwitz, executive creative director, and Brianna Faust, art director. This is that full conversation. We start with the Imagineers answering a question about the background. Congaloosh. As we walk around that, it, it's bringing everything even more to life. It's, there's an activation that happens. Even walking outside of the Celebration Gardens, looking at the leaping water and imaginations or the, um, the birds flying over Odyssey, you feel this whole big gestalt thing happening that... You know, that's what we set out to do. Bigger than the projects, yeah. Yeah, bigger than the We haven't had, you may or may not know this, we didn't. We haven't had area uh, sound in, in what we call world nature in a long time. And part of the transformation is to bring lighting consistency to the whole front, right? And also area sound and control. Of it. So that's that's even outside of what we're talking about today. That's yeah. an ongoing. <laughs> Sorry to right? jump you off on yeah, the no, 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 no. Bringing the infrastructure forward into the present for the next so, 30 years yeah. is important to us. Right? And it's like, it's so mundane and you don't think about it until you actually have to walk over there right now and you realize how beautiful it is. And it's beautiful because we actually had to go there to find it, right? And so we actually did go all the way to the doorstep of all the original pavilions, which had never been done since we opened. So. Yeah, it's good. It's a big, it's a big deal. <laughs> Unsung hero kind of thing, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah, great yeah, that yeah. you notice it. It's, it's, <laughs> that, it's that extra layer, right? Yeah, you know, it's sort of the lighting and everything else, but it's yeah. background music. It needs yeah, to be out on a CD now. Right, yeah. 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 Well, great idea. <laughs> and we're gonna put, we're gonna put the music up too. I think uh, I don't know where we're gonna post it, but we're gonna put it up. Yeah. So uh, 
because we've worked on the cover of it some week ago. So it'll be posted soon. Got it. Anything else? What do you want to know? <laughs> I got a question for Bianca. Yeah. You have, I've seen you on video say a hundred times, you're worried about what Walt's looking at. <laughs> what is he looking at? He's looking out into the gardens. And into he's the looking gardens. out, and if you go and you sit next to him, it should really be lining up that you're looking out into what is this beautiful, sprawling set of gardens as we come around the, the center hub. But then he's also looking out into the World Showcase Pavilion, which is what we wanted. And it, 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 if we had set him right in the center, it would have felt... No one sits there, right? You would never... I don't think Walt would ever have sat himself center. He wasn't that... And as, a, as humans, like we don't center ourselves. And the way that we built that... If you start at the top of the Spaceship Earth panels and you follow it, the center seam all the way down to the center seam of the windows, to the center seam of the City Progress and the bench, to the center of the hardscape, follow that down to the center of the logo planter, that lines up perfectly with the flag in America. Yeah. Perfectly symmetrical. So when we talk about Epcot, it's a symmetrical parts. It's symmetrical on that axis, right? So it's important for us to understand that symmetry when we look at the plan here. And then, to, as you can see today, you guys have been walking around all day. You know, for, for the first time in a very long time, we can go from the land pavilion over to Mission Space, right? And this east-west circulation is so critical and confused our guests for a long time when we had the old Communicore buildings, right? They just didn't know how to navigate from one e-ticket to the next. And so part of, our, part of our plan here is to just provide intrinsic wayfinding. Like you can see your next destination, but then offer chances to get take a bypass, take a minute, take, and just look at how many people are using some of these seating areas. Like it's almost like they've been dying to sit down at Epcot, you know. And it's like, yeah, that's an important thing. We forget that. Uh, we've been talking a lot in early design, and, and you know, I mean, years ago, like you know, let's get the, we got an opportunity to put the park back in the theme park, right? We never had a park here in front of this thing, and so that's been it was a real driver of the on the species, on the size. I mean, this, is, this, this stuff is big, and it takes a lot to get this stuff here. And, and it was really a driver to make it feel good as, as we open, as opposed to waiting for it to grow, right? Go back and look at aerials of when we opened. You know, we had little twigs everywhere, right? And so, but now we have to compete with some really great old growth in World Showcase, some really great old growth over here in, in, in World Nature. So it was important to us to go out and find great, great. Yeah, great yeah. I mean that was that was a deliberate iteration to have sort of the long view and have Walt sort of be a casual, welcoming thing and sort of a, a park-like atmosphere of uh, of a, a Dreamers Point. So that was a very deliberate sort of effort. And then you have sort of the view across all the sort of four separate gardens that have their own personality. Right. So that was a very. Um, Little, yeah. yeah. And Sam, you and I, we've talked now. Yeah. We were in connections or creations and yeah. connections. And I encourage everyone to go back into those spaces because now they're finally alive the way that we always knew that they would be when there wasn't a wall there. And um, standing in um, connections, you can see out into the into the gardens and into the spaces. And it, you do get that sense of transparency and diminishing of barriers that we wanted. And then, um, as you'll start to see soon here, when it becomes dark, you can stand right here in this area and you can see all the way into that beautiful mural and connections. You feel the light, the buildings become jewel boxes and you don't feel the building anymore. You just feel a continued yeah. set of environment. Well, and it's, the, the, it's the building so is good. Like we, talk, we talked before when we had the fences up, it was like, well, this is gonna be great. It's an extension of the building. We took off the heavy walls, we replaced with glass. We, we tried to make it transparent, right? We, we, we did a magic trick with the building, but you couldn't see it until now. And I think that now when, as Brianna said, as soon as it gets lost, give us a half hour, um, this whole place changes and it looks really incredible. Speaking of lighting, these yeah. are very are nice. Are they so good? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Are <laughs> these, they look reflective of the intersecting triangles. Yes. Yeah. yeah. We just have yeah. great, look, look, Epcot, was a big bold move right and you have to respect it for all that it did all the patterning all the materiality all of the all the honesty and construction right it's not a themed park right world showcase has got themed finishes this part of the park was never themed it was just epcot right and so when we thought about what patterning and shape language and material language we needed to use we had to respect those late 70s yeah, be early 80s choices and then elevated it in a new way because some of this some of this curbing they couldn't achieve in that in, in 81 right they couldn't achieve it at all we can now but those color choices material choices are in respect for these 
legacy pavilions because they're important to us. And this pattern is important to us. And we got to celebrate it. And we're going to continue to celebrate it as we, as we move forward. It's just really, it's you subtle. can't ask for a better palette, right? Yeah. You just respect it. Right? It's subtle through lines of materiality too. This is the dichroic glass that we used in Creations, yeah. that we used in Connections, that we'll see, you know, elsewhere as we continue to go. And it's just, it's not hitting you over the head with it. It's just like Scott was saying, a respect for the materials. And Doug was our one of our landscape architects that I would like him to speak about some of our oh, other materials. No, I mean, well, there's, there's <laughs> repeating patterns, and I, you know, I'm glad you sort of appreciate that. But you know, we we sort of want things to be familiar, right? As you go from like green space to green space, there's that comfortable sort of feel as you go sort of go through it. And so, you know, the patterns on the light or our structures out here, or even in the paving and some other surprises that we have out here, are really uh, trying to that, sort of bring that familiarity. Yeah. It has to feel right, right? Yeah, yeah. And it was really important. You know, and it's, uh, you know, it's gonna live for a long time. And we don't get to do this very often. You know, we don't get to we don't get to do the center of a park very often, and it's like such a privilege to do that. And, and I've talked before about it, but you know, first step is we had to go backwards, right? We had to figure out what they were up to when you know when 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 you know Marty and and, and John pushed those models together and tried to figure out what to do. You know, this, you look at back at the original art, we didn't know. Like the original concept, one of the original concept pieces was around the monorail, but but World Showcase was emanating off of monorail stops. Like if you look back at some of the original art, right? So they didn't know what they were doing, right? They landed on this conceit that we we love and have come to appreciate. And now we just went, we needed to amplify. What was really, what is it about? It's its own IP. It's its own place. It's the first non-castle park, man. We got we, we want to celebrate and have fun with it. And, and we, it was scary, you know, I have no doubt, right? Because you're walking in the, in the shadow of giants. You know, who, who were involved in this thing, and, and you know, I think the team rose up, and we, we and we nailed it. I think mean, it's great. I mean, it's, we're going to continue to nail. It. We're not done. What else? Yeah. yeah, we're also people who enjoy the parts and this park specifically, <laughs> and we have big Epcot fans on our team. But what we felt when we were, you know, trying to figure out the project was we'd go and we'd sit in different areas of the park, and we'd see that there was this need for decompression space for places where people could enjoy the, these beautiful environments. So, um, we, I mean, our team, and as you can see, and I hope you all have been enjoying just sitting and watching and listening and absorbing the environment in truly like beautiful spaces, because that was one of the big goals was giving park back to the park. Just just think about when you visit, right? Think about when you're actually traveling with your family, right? You remember the things you do. You remember guardians, you remember those things. But the memories that you share for, for decades after are the moments in between the attraction. The, the places, the things that you share, the moments you laughed about or the event that happened or you, somebody spilled something and, and we replaced it magically with a new container of popcorn. That all happens here, right? That We needed more space for that. More space for people to invent their own around. connection and not just not just ride shows, attractions, because they're all great. We'll continue to develop those. But we, we, we needed more public area. Just give it back to the people who love it. And that's what this is about. Yeah, we, There's we, nothing wrong with it. We, we, we added almost like an acre of green space here. If you remember what was here before, it was like concrete jungle, right? So this is welcoming. This is an acre of usable green space. It might be passive at the moment, but we're not done. We're gonna These spaces are going to get activated. And, you know, we added 300 plus trees out here, right? Shades of commodity, right? That comfortable. Like, we're at a beautiful time of year. But this is, I mean... As, as this evolves, as this grows, it's going to, you know, Could you have a great... speak more about the choice of the plant life? Um, you, you know, I think each garden, <laughs> I think each garden would have its own sort of personality. So I think we, we really, in, in our design workshops, try to sort of have each garden give it sort of its own little personality, some little special feature, right? So between here was sort of a gathering space, and there there's some... Uh, you know, active uh, spaces to that bed. And then a little bit of folly in the other gardens and something that terraces, but it's all related back to sort of the ultimate vision that was for everyone. And that so. idea of an ever-changing environment, as we have deciduous trees, we have trees that flower in the spring, we have azaleas Wait that'll pop off. You know, yeah. the, as the park does with our festivals, so will the naturescape evolve and change, not just because it's growing, but because we, we've picked plants that will grow and change and be different characters throughout the year. 
Um, one of my favorite elements is the garden that's by um, Creation Shop. And intentionally, the palette there of the plant life is silver. It's very light and silver and blue so that, you know, you could bring in a very colorful installation and it would pop off the page, if you will, um, which is... Idea. We've set up a lot of things that we're very excited to see how it gets activated in the next, you know, in the next year, in the next 30 years, in the next, you know, who knows. So. We've also set the stage for for what we know to love, like we love flower and garden. We love the banks of the lagoons, right? And these main central features, including the cascading landscape figure in front of Dreamers Point, the centerpiece, and then the large planter there, are designed to be activated for festivals. So right now they're an open state, right? We just opened, right? But when you come back for custom activation, we'll really embrace this place and really lift it, you're going to see those change character depending on the festival. That's in the plan. Right? It's just hard to see today. No, it's a yeah, bit of a yeah. blank canvas yeah. in a way because as those festivals come on board, you know, you have a palette that you can sort of uh, work through in some of these spaces. So it's 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 really a need. We did a great seasonal study of, of we laid over the calendar against the festival program against what happens in Central Florida in terms of flowering and color and how it changes over the year. And then we, we met with our horticulture people who actually do the festivals and we say, here it is, here's the map. But don't be, don't interpret it as the direction, more the more the way you need to go. You know, explore in all kinds of directions. So you're going to see a lot of exploration with our festival team and, and really elevating it again. Right. I almost didn't see you back there. <laughs> I get that a lot. You're not going to, no, you're not going to cry this time. I don't want, I don't want to, you, you can, Last time we talked, you know, like, I had to get you out back in the break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the, the green space and the openness and the sense of serenity that this area brings. But I have to imagine that it literally and figuratively is going to sort of come to life at night. Can you give us a hint of what may, how this space may transform in just a little while? Well, yeah. we got some magic for you, right? I mean, we talked a lot about, about, you know, we are fans, right? And one of the things we're super fans about is like is some of the early innovations we did in Epcot. And everybody remembers fiber optic concrete, right? Yes. Yeah, yes. it was yes. superior, right? It was crazy. Why would we? How did we do fiber optic concrete? Okay, so we thought about that. We said, what can we do now that is as cool as that, and creates that sense of wonder that is still is still materially Epcot and doesn't depart from Epcot, right? So what we've got is Dreamers Point. I, I don't know how many 300 LEDs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Starfield, the Starfield in the pavement. You can't see them in the light. Because you can't see it, but they're embedded in the paving pattern just in front of wall as you look down over Dreamers Point, and so that star field will activate, and it'll and it will reflect what's going on on Spaceship Earth. It is as programmable as Spaceship as Spaceship Earth. Earth. Also, it, it's synchronized. It's an amazing sort it's of crazy. feel about and then, it. And then these rings we talked about a lot when we were initially pitching the project. Those are LED tracks, right? We have full light and, and color control over those programming control. These giant. Show lights, right? Those are the largest theme lights we've built. Do these have a name? I've been calling them obelisks. No, they're, uh... they're just, they're lovely lights. We love them. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, we got a no, numerical name we don't want to tell you. Sure, sure, it's sure. okay, yeah, but, but they were the largest show lights we ever built until we built those show lights out there. So those are going to be even bigger and those are coming later. But these guys are fully programmed. You're going to see those for the first time in about 15, 20 minutes. You're going to see those come to life here. And it just changes the complexity, changes the whole the whole sensibility of the place. And it has its own show, its own identity, and its own placemaking. And it can be deferential to what's happening at the Lagoon later tonight, but it, then it can also celebrate what's happening on Spaceship Earth and tie together and energize the space. Right? And so that 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 and it will also be evolved. Like so it, it, it will evolve from what you see today. It will evolve to next week. It will evolve it's, in a month. It's like, like a toolkit. It's, it's like a, the main, most, the coolest toolkit you can imagine. You've seen everything we've done at Spaceship Earth, right? I mean, all the things we continued, all the great programming. But please pay attention to the show that we got tonight because uh, it made Brianna cry last night. Um, and, and there's a special moment in there. I'm sure you'll figure it out. But um, yeah. it's, it's very it's respectful good. of where we've been. And very optimistic for where we're headed. It's a, it's a great show on its own. Yeah. And the the show lighting designers who brought the beacons of light that we have on Space Earth are the ones who are continuing to work and who will continue to keep working with the park and the the teams who maintain everything. So um, I'm really proud of them. They have yeah. really been working so hard because they really care so much about bringing it all to life. Okay, so where would be the best spot now to watch the Spaceship Earth show? 
Because we were in the front with the walls, but with the walls down, and you're saying. Guess what? Everywhere, right? As long as you can <laughs> so see, you as long as you can you. see into this, into this, into the center, you can stand here. You can stand over there. You can stand anywhere. You can still stand in the front. You just miss what's going on in the middle here. But you, you, you anywhere here. We stood uh, at the top of World Showcase Bridge. Awesome. We watched it happen. Right? And it was just it was wonderful. And because, because that's a, yeah, when everybody needs to see it. Right? Yeah. We gotta, we gotta. Yeah, it's a, it's a holistic experience. It's really, <laughs> really. <laughs> I think we were all crying this morning. <laughs> it's good. I would like to know what you guys think is your the best spot. Like that's that's part yeah, of this, yeah, you, right? Yeah, report back out. Yeah, like, you let us know where the best spot is. This yeah, is yeah, your yeah, part. Yeah, yeah. Discover it for for discover it for us because we'd love to know. You know, we we hear the opinions. We want to know what you guys think is the best spot or what the plants are doing for you. And we listen. We're reading. <laughs> that's a 360 design, right? So you get each little quadrant. So you know, yes, uh, have a different experience from different angles. Out. What else you got? Can you talk about the different almost neighborhoods, like how over there it's the creations, but then we have kind of the metal rustic area over here. What was the inspiration and story behind those? Can we yeah. peel back the curtain behind those? Well, maybe, yeah. I mean, we'll talk, we'll talk about what the materiality is first, right? So we talked about the materiality, had to be honest, right? And so we, we, we have a lovely design of the tree grates that are over in front of Tracy's collection, the beautiful uncut patterning. And so we imagine that what happens if we take that vertically, right? What would happen if we did that, right? And so that's what, that was the inspiration for this. And what they are really is, is giant boxes that hide show programming equipment. Turn sculpture. It's, it's, they're sculptures that are practical. So they hide, so on the top of the ones in the back, there's lighting trust that activates the position for the show at night so we can bring in performers with an iPad and turn the show up. Wouldn't you love to watch right? like a, a trio no, of like a cello and yeah. a violin playing no in that garden train, at night? Like, no chase, I would. no weird plugs through the planting, nothing. It's all ready to go. Right? And that's, that's, that's what that's about, that materiality. We love it in the show. Like, I hope you saw in the sun how the sun casts the shadow of the patterning on the pavement. Like, and it's just intentional choices made with a constrained palette in a wonderful, respectful way, right? Nothing here doesn't have a purpose. It all is purposely and mindfully created so that we can support what's going on. And that, that's, I mean, he's got that garden, I mean, the Connections Garden is just about that, right? We're gonna we increase our connection by people sharing meals and sharing coffee and sharing experience in that garden. They can look right through the wall, right through the glass to the mural. Right? It's amazing. It was, it was like, we could never, it was hard to explain to you guys what was going on. Because we, we, we the way we had to turn this over. But the vision was always there. We were just in a process of trying to get it done in a strange, broken up way. Um, but it, 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 it's held. That's what I'm, <laughs> it's held together. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> so you called that one Connections Garden. Yeah. What are the others called? Yeah, this is, we, 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 we got an informal name. So really associated with what's happening next to it, right? Okay. So this would be the hall for Communicor, Communicor Plaza. Hall, the garden for Communicor Hall, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah. Or Communicor Plaza, right? And then Creations Garden, as you said, it's a little more informal, a little more whimsical. It's got yeah, a great yeah. glass beaded pattern. And we, you know, in our vision, right? We think about something like Festival of Arts, right? And maybe we could do some kids program that's associated with Festival of Arts, right? And put it up here. Or we could have an artist signing up here by the creative center. Sure. There's no reason why that has to happen at World Showcase. And again, we've yeah, talked yeah. a lot about the center of gravity of festival programming coming up. You're going to see that once the operator starts to embrace what we've got, right? You know what I mean? We're going to start to pull it here, right? And make sense of it because this is a gathering place. We have a place to gather now. And we have, and we can relieve the congestion around World Showcase. We don't want to diminish the program. We want to extend it and enrich it, right? And that's what we talked about. Some of the some of the elements that are coming in the hall, right? It's like you know the the exhibition space, the demonstration kitchen, the mixology bar. All these things are the going to elevate the program, right? And the, the, there's a beautiful stage right behind here, underneath this big sweeping. You can't see the sweeping on it. It looks like a bunch of junk and uh, scaffold, but. <laughs> from here, you can hear it, right? You've seen that image, right? There's the, the singer, you know, singing. That's from right there. Like, you're looking through this garden, right? It'll be right there here, hearing that. You walk right over there and you get a charcuterie plate and a wine slice, all right? That, that's the plan, right? And, and we've got, we're, we, it's worth it. That's for you. Yeah. <laughs> what else do you need to know? So will the 
the walkway that was created for because of the congestion is that going to stay or is that going to be closed up again? Um, we're gonna we're gonna replant that and put a put and put a. Um, uh, a gate. a gate, thank you. Yeah, a gate just beyond the Moana meet and greet, just uh, right by the uh, the Seas restaurant, right? And uh, um, but it will remain functional so that we can do this. This park also hosts marathons, right? So it's very important to come in and out of this park. So we talked with how we could make it still functional for them, but it's not a guest facing space until it's marathon. So we'll that'll return to back a house. It's really important if you understand how this works. That's a bus drop off right behind the Seas Pavilion for fast. It's like the end of the road. We don't connect here like other parks, right? So it's, so it's very important. There's a lot of traffic over there. So it's, we need to give that back for their operation to help them to stay elevated, right? So look for that change as well. Um, the only other change that's still lagging besides what's coming over here, we're, you know, we'll get back to you on where we're doing this, but we'll complete the paving beyond this as well, right? So the edges where we had our fences, where we're still trying to figure out where to go, we're gonna complete that on overnight work over the next couple of months and just complete the whole look. So so we got a tight package. We just couldn't get to it outside the fence. It's part of the challenge of constructing in a working theme park, right? It's a difficult thing because they in still the middle have of strength, the right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So as you walk in Epcot to start your day and see the prison statue and the fountain and Station Earth and get a sense of Nostalgia and wonder and adventure of what's going to happen for the rest of the day. Yeah. As you walk through this space at the end of the night and your story comes to an end, how do you want people to feel? What do you want them to sort of walk away feeling as they sort of end their day in the space? This is a park that's rooted in optimism, right? Tomorrow's better than today, right? I've always been an inspirational, optimistic place, right? I want to feel like I felt when I was 10, right? Every one of these spaces is organized that way. I want to feel like I was a kid again and I wanted to do this job. I didn't even know this job existed. But when I came to Epcot, I was like, this is the most coolest thing I've ever seen. It wasn't a theme park, it wasn't a castle, it wasn't a you know teacup, it was like better. Uh, and so yes, optimism, hope, understand that we're better when we understand each other and we come together, right? That's World Showcase. What we have in common far always when it divides us. That's World Showcase. And that's what we need to keep saying. Right? And that's why this park is so important. And that's what we want. Be hopeful, be optimistic, and enjoy it. Yes. Okay, all right, okay. You're like, I don't have a question. Tyler's like, I'm out! <laughs> thank you, Tyler, thank you. Everybody good? Everybody good. Okay, yeah, thank you for coming today. This space is amazing and I cannot wait for Communicore Plaza and Hall to open. Everything ties together. Walking from test track all the way to the land, the lighting fixtures are the same, the colors at night are the same, the music's the same. It's absolutely perfect addition to Epcot and it delivers everything that the Imagineers talked about. Tom Williams, uh, executive producer for the show. 
I take his crazy ideas and then figure out how to make them into reality. Uh, I'm the show producer, and so I have the privilege of leading the creative, the technical, and the production team that help bring the show to life in the park. And I'm Steph Fink, the music producer, and it was my job to create and uh, bring Steve and our team's musical vision to life, and anything you hear is my job. Amazing. It takes all of these teams, all of your teams working together to create this wonderful show. So, to kick things off, I have a question for you, Steve. Um, when we started on this project, we wanted to try to do something different. We've got this glorious lagoon out there. We wanted to be able to tell a story, but we, wouldn't, we wanted that story to be um, emotionally connect to our audience. We wanted everybody to make the story their own story. We wanted to really bring everybody together as you're all gathered around the lagoon. So that's, that was our starting point. You know, then we just jumped into it with that whole idea of, you know, how Epcot does bring people together. And it's your story. We basically have taken um, the Epcot theme written by Pinar and have woven it with uh, themes of Disney, actually, to really bring something together that I think well, people can really look at and, and I think put themselves into it. And we purposely didn't put visuals in this, and that's because we wanted you, the audience, to basically look into it. It's an old thing we used to do when we did fireworks. We didn't have projections. We just basically did a story in the sky, and that's what we're doing here. We're doing color and texture and light to really have people go, wow, I can find something in my life to really kind of bring to that. So, to add to that, Luminous, the symphony of us, we really utilize that metaphor, symphony, Every player in the orchestra is playing their own individual part, but coming together is where we get all those beautiful harmonies, where we get all the beautiful music, the melodies coming together. That's the crust of what this show is really about. That it takes us all. Absolutely, and a great message to tie into what we all do and celebrate here at Epcot. That's wonderful. So Stacy and Seth, my next question is for you. What is it like working on a brand new Epcot Nighttime Spectacular? I mean, our Nighttime Spectaculars are iconic. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah. Oh, Ali, you're right, they are. I mean, Epcot has a, a very rich legacy of wonderful shows out of the lagoon. So it's honestly, it's a privilege to bring a show, a new show to life here. Um, you know, as Tom mentioned, we have this amazing stage that the World Showcase Lagoon sets for us. And there's just, there's, there's a vibe here at Epcot. Um, I've been lucky enough to open shows at many of our parks here on property, and Epcot just has this different feeling about it. So I think we're able to deliver a different message when we create shows here, you know, and I think the message of Luminous, the Symphony of Us fits perfectly in this park. So we're, we're really excited. I think I think it's gonna be great, and we're excited for you all to see it tonight. I mean, how do you say it better than that? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll give you the opposite perspective. This is my very first show in the park. So, you know, me coming from film and TV and then coming into a whole new medium and we have fireworks and lights and lasers and then a giant lagoon and then all of these beautiful humans to think about is a completely different thing. And of course the legacy, no pressure, you know? <laughs> it's totally easy to do, right? Uh, we spend a tremendous amount of time and I think you know, a little bit of tidbit that I didn't understand before I started working here is that there are just thousands, if not a million, tiny details that go into this show and so much personal love and heart and spirit. And I know those are like buzzwords that people say, but I didn't know how real that was until I started working with this team and how much creativity and how much, you know, time and detail is spent on every little moment of you know, what is about what an 18 minute you know, moment, right? So you're, and, and we're trying to shape up memory and time and you know, that's not an easy feat. So it's really incredible. And our entire team, Eric Tucker, fireworks, and uh, you know, our lighting designers and our fountain designers and our world-class musicians. You guys used up all the music metaphors. I got nothing left <laughs> to say, but Bernard Tobrock, we also have incredible, you know, writers on this show, musicians from everywhere in the world. We were all of the world recording, so it's really special. That's wonderful. So my next question, uh, when you think about the songs, of course, 
There are original songs. There are songs that we know and love that you'll hear in the show tonight. So how did you go about, Seth and Simon, really choosing the songs that would fit best in tonight's show? It really was about the story, when we started to put the story together. And when we come out of the opening, which you're going to hear just in it from a fabulous singer who we basically went to and, and became, she became Mother Nature to us, or really kind of Mother Earth. And you'll understand that in a second. We decided to look at kind of what the human connection really is, you know, from when we're born to the idea of family. And then from here, friendship takes over. And then from friendship, you wake up one day and you probably found the true love of your life. And then from there, you encounter some challenges. But then the big ending of the show, which I think is a great one, is really about is never giving up and always just sing out so others can hear you which is a great piece for us because together we illuminate the world. And that's really kind of the arc of it. And then the finale, you know, we bring back our gorgeous Mother Earth, which you'll hear in a minute, and, and kind of go for that final, final piece where I try to make everyone cry. And that's my goal in life, is to see if we can get people to cry. Absolutely. Seth, what about you? Yeah, that good. was amazingly timed. Because I was <laughs> <laughs> the power of music. Connector, but music also means something different for, for everybody, right? So to some people, they hear that and they, you know, go, oh, movie, and then other people go, darkness, and other people, yes, you know, power. <laughs> so, you know, it depends on who you are. So I think one of the biggest and most wonderful challenges is when you're trying to tell a story, there are the obvious choices, and we go, love, you know, there's a million songs about love. And we have such a rich catalog, and they're such famous songs, you know, I guess you also don't want to, you know, do it the wrong way, which is always, you know, you know, not everybody is pleased by every genre. There's just a lot of thought that kind of goes into that thing. But I think the most special thing about our show is that we wanted to bring these songs to you in a totally different way, and we wanted to put new songs in, and usually there's one big finale song, if one at all, and we have two new songs in our show, bookending our show at the beginning and the end, because we really felt like we needed to tell the story more, and we didn't want to turn back just to the Disney IP to do that. We wanted to bring something to Epcot that was wholly, you know, Epcot and our own. So, and we have some of the greatest musicians, and if I can give them a little shout out, you know, uh, our first song was written by AJ Seeley and Scott Hoying of the Pentatonics. I'm sure you guys know some of, you know, <laughs> that kind of music, and uh, Shalea and Melody McDonald who is, you know, my big word, don't tell anybody. Um, it's just it's you guys, right? Our secrets are safe. Uh, and then our final song were written by the heavyweights, and, you know, they're just spectacular, phenomenal you know, musicians. And then we have the incredible Pinar Chobrock, who, you know, you know from all the big movies and our Epcot Gamma theme here, she's phenomenal. She really wove our, you know, songs together in such a beautiful, new, gorgeous way. I can't say enough beautiful things. And I've been working on this for now a year and a half, and I still hear it, and I'm not really sentimental every time I hear it. I'm like, <laughs> so, I, you know, hope you feel the same way. Yeah, if you think of it like a river, when we talk about Pernar's theme, which you wrote for Epcot, it really is the base of the show, and you'll hear it moving throughout, and then woven into it are those original songs and the Disney themes that we're bringing to it. So, you know, we're excited for you to hear it, because yeah, there's some really gorgeous stuff. It's very, as Steve said, Epconian. <laughs> That's what that comes up a lot. You know, we want wanted it to feel like Epcot and let it live in its own world. So it sounds like I also need to get my tissues ready because I'm probably going to cry and get emotional, right? <laughs> Amazing. So Tom and Stacey, talk a little bit about what makes this show so unique. We've touched on it a little bit, but what to you makes the show so unique? Um, yeah, and you're right, we touched on this a little bit, but um, this is our first opportunity to really create a show that it does have story to it, but you get to put your version of the story together. We're not we're not being prescriptive. It's not a hero's journey. It's not telling you a, a linear path. It's really connecting you and your and what's personal to you into the story, and that's very different and unique for us. We've never done that before. And, and I think we're relying on um, you know we have to rely on the technology to to help you feel what that story is for you and that's that's a little bit new for us as well you know a lot of times um, there's different ways to, to help you figure out what the story's about and we're really leaning into the creative storytelling within the music and when you get out there and you see the lights and the fountains you see them tell a story you see the fountains dance with each other you see the lights dance with each other and and like steph said 
we've been working on this a year and a half, and, and every night I'm still amazed at the choreography that we see out there on the lagoon. Um, so I just, I think that adds some uniqueness to it as well. That's wonderful, I cannot wait. So uh, my next question for you all, it's hard to pick a favorite, but I'm gonna go down the line. Do you all have a favorite part of the show that we should keep an eye out for tonight? Mine's gonna be See the Light, because it's really, oh, did I steal one? No. Okay. It's one of my favorite songs, so I'm just so excited it's there. It's, it's just the way it brings it all together. It's, it's all about that great song about, at last we see the light. If we all look and see the light, like Luminous is, we can really come together and be that symphony. And, and when you hear it, if you haven't heard it, I mean, it's just like the juggernaut that launches you into the end of the show. Can I share a little Easter egg about that? That is the wonderful Catherine McPhee Foster, so a little secret. <laughs> Between friends. <laughs> um, my favorite part is the opening. It's Heartbeat Symphony, uh, one of our original songs. It's just got such great emotion and power to it. And the way, as Stacy said, the way um, the fountains are programmed, the lighting's programmed, the, the fireworks and pyrotechnics really are bringing that all to life. And it's just such a powerful number. And, and that's how we start the show, which is really, really spectacular. Uh, well, part of me wants to take a little bit of a cop-out and just say, I love it all, I can't choose. Um, <laughs> but I really do, I love the finale of the show, and not just the music, but again, the, the technical aspects that you're going to see out there. I think there's some exciting surprises you're going to see at the end, and it's just it's just so powerful. It, again, it fills the whole lagoon. Um, everybody out there is, is going to get to see an amazing moment at the end of the show, and I think that's my favorite. What about you, Seth? Well, Tom stole my answer. No, <laughs> we should have. Well, I obviously am going to say the music. I'm a little biased, right? <laughs> but I have to say, um, you know, everyone and, and every musician, and we have hundreds on the show, symphonies and the London Voices and the uh, Royal Scottish National Orchestra, and so many incredible musicians on this, but. Uh, she happens to be one of my personal favorites and a favorite of our show is Shalea Melody McDonald. And I was wondering if you guys would like to hear her sing. Yeah. Do we want to hear Shalea sing? Yeah. I don't know. I think we could do better for Shalea. Come on, do you guys want to hear Shalea sing? This is the first time ever doing it in front of an audience. So. No pressure. <laughs> Get up. 
I'm Anna Ruby. She is our Mother Earth. She can really do it. Amazing. Thank you so much. Let's hear it one more time for you. Luminous, the Symphony of Us is next, and we're going to hear a little bit from their text first off, getting ready for the show and setting up, and then after that we're going to hear the actual show. everybody, my name is Stacy, and I'm a producer with Disney Live Entertainment. Uh, we are here tonight programming the new nighttime spectacular that's going to be opening at Epcot, Luminous, the Symphony of Us. Right now we have our lighting designers, our fountain designer, and our laser designer. And they're having a collaborative moment right now where they're working on all those elements together for a scene and just making sure that everything is choreographed really smoothly and works together. This is Daniel Dickman. He is our senior lighting designer. He can talk you through some of what he's doing tonight. We have two consoles out here. I'm focused on all things lighting. We have moving lights, we've got static LEDs. We've been programming in this virtual um, environment. We call it the VPE, virtual programming environment. And this has allowed us to really get a sense of the show and the programming prior to us coming into the field. So only just recently did we have barges that are actually functional. So we've been able to do a lot of learning and programming virtually while um, the team here on site has been building the barges. So this has been a great tool for us. Pardon me for barging in. My name is Paul Sutton. I'm the production stage manager for Epcot's new nighttime fireworks spectacular, Luminous, the Symphony of Us. And I have some techs here that I'd like to introduce you to that help us every single night to get our show out. This is Matt and this is Miranda. So what we're doing is we're actually training our technicians to drive these barges to bring them on and off the water every single day. So what we get to do is we get to start out with a blank canvas, bring the barges out, paint a pretty picture for you at the end of the night, and then take it all down to our blank canvas to the next day. Hi friends, can you hold for a moment for me please? And there's one of our work barges going out. You see the engines? Those are 300 horsepowers. Nicely done, you cleared a bridge. Now that we've come through the China Bridge, now we're uh, having our techs reposition. They will start that bend and they will curve straight in and they'll drive straight up. We have pylons right over here. You see these two pylons right here? They will use those as their guide when they go in and then there's one right up there that they will actually attach to. You'll see the back, we call it the garage area actually, where the four smaller barges are and we will deploy those later. So those little mini barges, they do have lighting on them, they have pyro, they have fountains and there's over 40 of them out here with our other big barges that are going to come out for the show tonight see the two pylons on the side it's going to tilt this way he's going to position it this way because he'll tie off on the back and on the front and it's shaped just like a hexagon and that's the really cool thing about the show because you see this view if we move over there to mexico it'll be the exact same view if we move over to to germany it'll be the exact same view and now let's go back to last night. We have Lyra over here. She is in charge of all things lasers. Lasers, yes, very lasers. fun. So this is uh, a laser programming piece of software. So we focus on kind of pieces of content. In our case, normally it's very simple content. Maybe it's waves or single points or whatever. We color it, animate it over time. And you can see this is um, basically the show flow. We have our audio track across the top, and then these are all different tracks of content. And we do things like work with really cool colors. Lasers are really cool because of their precise color. So we built a special color, and it looks a little weird on the screen, but in real life it creates this rose gold color that we use this orange laser mixed in with some blues, and um, you get a really cool color. Here's Chris. I'm one of the fountain programmers on the show, and right now I'm actually just stepping through uh, different fountains and looking at their different positions and making sure that when we shoot everything straight up, it's all straight up. And when we shoot everything out, it's all symmetrically out. So that we have one unified look that we then later work with lighting and lasers to create one big beautiful show.
And now, guys, something hopefully we're going to enjoy for the next couple of years, Luminous, the Symphony of Us.
the ensemble of our ancestors, our family, nuestra familia. we cherish are gone and for a moment we are playing alone when somebody loved me everything was beautiful and when she was happy so was
But we are never truly alone. Sing out so others can hear you. The music we make echoes back at us in chorus. In concert.
to join our jamboree. There's a simple rule that's compulsory. Mortals pay.